Hello! Welcome to the Impersonal Opinion Podcast, the podcast where we don't take our opinions personally. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with George Ortega and Jamie Soden, and today we're going to talk about love. What is love? What do different people mean when they say love? And, you know, how, you know, are there different types of love, and what, you know, how does this affect our lives as we have different understandings of love. So so I'll just start out by saying, you know, I hear the term about people falling in love. Like, this, is this some hole in the ground that, that is covered by leaves and you don't see it and so you fall in the hole? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, all right. I, I think I've been in love a few times and all. And, it, I mean, we could tie this to the uh, free will debate, you know, issue. Um, as something that like, you know, you don't, you don't plan for it. I mean, you don't, you know, you, sometimes you hope that it'll happen, but it's not like you can make it happen. It's not like you can make yourself fall in love with someone or someone can't make themselves fall in love with you. So it's got this mysterious quality in it, you know, actually, yeah, tying it back to the free will thing again. Um, it's another way of demonstrating we don't have a free will, you know, like, or it's another way of also showing that people can really enjoy their lives and value their lives without having a free will. Because I, I think in terms of like what people value, you know, love has got to be right there at the top. And everybody knows that you can't just like freely will to, to, to be in love with people. So, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, why wouldn't we just fall in love with the whole universe? <laughs> you know, that'd be convenient. Exactly. Yeah, so I agree fully, George, about that, um, that we, nobody chooses um, uh, who they love, what they love, and all that. But um, generally, I'm confused about, well, what is this love thing? Because it would, like, if we were to make a case that, like a scientific case, that love exists or love doesn't exist, how would we go about doing that? <laughs> All right. I mean, um, I think, um, Jamie, what, what's your take? Did you, know, did you have you read anything about like the chemistry of love or anything like that? Or, um, I wouldn't know what to say about it. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, so yeah. Okay, I think so love is kind of like, um, yeah, Chandler. I think you you just like you hit the nail on the head before. It's basically an extreme, and the way we, we talk about it, because there's different meanings for the word love. For example, you can love your car. You can love to go skiing, right? And that's a different kind of love than you would, you know, feel for another person or for yourself. So I think, you know, when you said that love, I think, uh, is an extreme form of liking, I think that's pretty much it. You know, I don't think it's, 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 it's more complicated than that. Yeah, then that's a simple kind of definition that I can wrap my head around, that I can relate to. Um, because it seems to me that people often are, they have this idea that it's something more than that, that somehow love is just some big complicated thing out there that they're seeking. But for me, love is just the way I love you guys. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love the people I talk to on these podcasts. I, I love my mom. I love people at my job. You know, it doesn't mean that I, it doesn't mean that it's any type of sexual thing about, about all these people, obviously. It's just that I, I like, I like some people. Some people I would rather not be around, 
So you could say I don't like them or love them as much. But in general, there's just this idea that um, I respect different life forms because they're amazing and I don't want to hurt anybody. Okay. Um, I think that maybe we can kind of like make a distinction between loving someone and being in love with someone, I think. Because um, sometimes when we fall in love with so someone, for example, it's not just about liking the person. It's like, you know, some, some people like feel that they couldn't live without the other person. It, it's such a powerful emo emotion, such a powerful attraction that it, it kind of like it, it, it's in a different category. It, it, sometimes it's counterproductive. Sometimes it gets so extreme that a person loves another person more than they love themselves or that they love their own welfare. But I think generally, generally, I think, you know, when it's when it's a healthy kind of like in loveness, you just like, you know, you think about this other person and rather than just like feeling good about them, just liking your friends and stuff, I think it's more of like, wow, this person like completes you. This person just like is so amazing. It just fills you with so much joy, so much, you know, you know, warmth and all. Yeah, there's definitely a difference there, George, because there's like the general love, which is just a form of like, which I was talking about. But then when people are, you know, quote unquote, in love with someone, for them, it's a very intense thing, apparently. And if they lose that person, they're just like devastated. If, you know, whether that person dies or breaks up with them or whatever, then it just, you know, it just it's like they feel like they've lost something that was essential to them. So I get what you're saying. It And Chandler, there's an irony here because sometimes the first love we're talking about to really like someone, that really means to really want them to be happy, to want them to not suffer, to want them to feel a lot of joy, a lot of pleasant feelings, right? Yeah. So that's generally what it means. But sometimes when people fall in love, it can be a very selfish love. In other words, like, some per one person can be so in love with the other person that they don't really care. In other words, let's let's say that other person doesn't, you know, want to be with them or something, right? <laughs> that that doesn't matter. That this person, you know, wants to be with this person so much that it's really about fulfilling this this you know this self-centered um, need than about liking the other person or you know wanting you know the greatest happiness for the other person. Yeah. Um, that, like there's a huge difference between just um, what, yeah, wanting to have someone in your life that you're, you're like you, you need that person for selfish reasons or thinking about what's truly best for that person. And I, I can think of a really relevant example from a Disney movie. You, you've seen Beauty and the Beast, right? Um, I haven't. No, I should. I, I don't think I have. Oh man, I can't. I never met anyone who hasn't seen Beauty and the Beast. Right. That's well, on my list now. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to enlighten you really quick on this, George. But okay, but I mean, I know the story. You know, in, in general, but yeah. Yeah, but see, here's the deal: the scene where um, the where the Beast releases Belle and says she's no longer his prisoner, and and so that she can go um, and rescue her father, who is who is lost in... Don't tell me the whole story. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I don't... Yeah. Okay, anyway, most people know exactly what I'm talking about because they've seen that movie. But anyway, the point was that he had to let her go because he loved her and cared about what was best for her and her father rather than keeping her as his prisoner. 
you know, even though that was required to break the spell. You know what I'm saying? So he cared more about her than he did himself. And so that was true love. You know what I mean? That, yeah. Yeah, that but, so it goes with what you were saying, George. But I'm not sure that's a healthy love either. In other words, like, you know, to love someone as much as you love yourself, I can understand that it's healthy. But to love someone more than you love yourself, it's kind of like sometimes like an artist. An artist will sacrifice their life to the, their art. They'll live a, 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 a life filled with suffering for their art, whether it's like painting or whatever. And I'm not sure that's also wise. You know, that's like, you know, again, like maybe sometimes when you're a parent, I, I've never been a parent, but I, I could see how you might want to love your kids more than you love yourself, you know. But well, sometimes in romantic love, you know, well, you, you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah, George, I know exactly what you mean. And you raise a good point because, because I think there's got to be some kind of a balance here because um, there, on one hand, and there's complete narcissism, a person caring all, only about themselves. And at the other end, there's like this altruism where this person basically, um, you know, is always helping everybody else and that yet they're in constant suffering. Um, so there's got to be a loving your neighbor as yourself sort of a thing, you know, um, sort of sort of the golden rule, that basic idea of caring for others equally as yourself. And I think that, yeah, that's ideal. It's just very hard for people to achieve that, I think. Um, because often there's a conflict um, between what a person wants and what another person wants. And obviously they both can't win. You know, they both can't get what they want. And so what ends up happening is we do end up favoring either ourselves in a certain instance more than someone else or them more than us so it's not always possible but I, I agree with what you're saying I mean it can be dangerous when we just care about others but not ourselves absolutely absolutely so all right so like again like this this thing of love it's it's like it's an emotion it's it's generally liking but then it can take on this kind of like um this I guess you know all right I, I think we first experienced love maybe as infants. We, we feel the, the feelings our parents have toward us. I, I think we, we can sense that, especially if they're good parents. You know, they, they just, you know, they, they love us a lot. We feel that. We feel very loved. We feel safe, taken care of. So, so that, it has that component. It's, it's kind of like a feeling also instead, you know, rather than just like a, a doing of you know, the manifest through actions. Yeah, and you know, here's another point to mention, George, is that this idea of love, um, as you mentioned, somebody could have a love for art, like you mentioned. You know, a person can have love for something that's not another person, but so, for some particular cause or some ideology or belief, you know, usually it tends to be some type of religion or it tends to be so, something that's important to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that brings so so Jamie, what you're what you express a lot, I think what we express in our group a lot is this kind of love that I think the Greeks refer to as agape, a g a p e, and uh, it's also known as altruism. 
it's kind of a love of humanity. It's a, a caring of people that we don't know, that we've never met, that we may never meet. It's a compassionate love. And I, you know, I think the Greeks understood this as a higher love than a romantic love or a paternal love or a fraternal love. You know, it's, 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 it's a pure love. It's a love that doesn't really ask anything back from, from the object of love. Yeah, and this is a very interesting case, George, because this is the case whenever you give to charity um, and you're helping people who you don't know. Like a lot of people, the, the people who they know, they're, more, they're likely to do things for them because they know that person and they get a reward. It, they're not necessarily asking for something in return, but just they, seeing that person happy is their reward you know, when they help them. So that's kind of an interesting case that's common. But I think that when it comes to other things like helping people in other countries or, or helping, uh, yeah, other humans that you'll never meet or non-human animals, you know, stuff we do for others that we don't ever meet, I think that um, is m rare partly because we don't get an immediate reward for it. And so there's just a few people who... Um, it is through the power of being able to imagine how those beings have benefited that, you know what I mean, that, that motivates that. That's a great point, Chandler. Yes, I think a lot of us, you know, Jamie, you and me and people in the group, um, we're a bit more evolved than most people. And you're right. It's about evolution. It's about like our evolution as a species. You know, you're right. Um, in, you know, the way the world used to be, you know, you would hear about, you know, people in your tribe or in your village, but you'd have no knowledge of the rest of the world or very little knowledge. And, and, and it, was, it was pretty impossible to help other people in other parts of the world, even if you did know, or it was very difficult. So, so people, most people haven't developed that kind of awareness, that, that imagination, as you say, of what it must be like to be in their situation and that and to, to feel kind of like a um, a common bond with them, you know, to kind of like to identify with them just as you would identify with your next door neighbor or with your friends. Yeah, I think what's happened is through the power of the Internet, you know, we've become far more aware of what's going on in places that will never actually be. And I think one of the effects of that, George, is that we, our brains have to expand in order to take in all this new information, realizing there's a world out there that we don't know, you know? And, and one thing that happens with that is that if you have a very, um, a very small life and you hardly know anyone, well, then it becomes easier to to judge people as being lazy or, or stupid, you know, of course, a lot of that comes from the free will belief too, you know, but it becomes because we don't know their situations. And so I think part of this um, is really, I mean, it's related to the free will belief, but part of it is that it's ignorance of not knowing people and not knowing what goes on in the world that just makes them seem distant to us, and that's why we don't care about them as much. But I think well, that's changing. Angels and demons as well, that kind of superstition. Yeah. Explain that in more detail, Jamie? Um, you know, because there's some Christians or Muslims who believe in angels and demons, and 
that comes from the free will belief as well. Like they believe that um, reality is split into two things: good and evil, black and white. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of get what you're saying, Jamie. You know, people. Yeah, they have this idea that there's the there's the good people and the bad people, basically, and so they categorize things. And I think what they do is, and, and this is the way I was kind, I kind of trained to do, you know, or it's the way that my brain worked it out, is to take a small group of things that I do know as being the good things and all the, all the other stuff I don't know is being the bad things and that leads to staying ignorant <laughs> and Chandler you made a great point in other words like my generation my generation is so filled with hate and judgment and all I mean you know it could be because like you know our parents lived through World War two and some of them through World War one and you know they 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 you know there was like a lot of conflict in the, in the, but you know, basically my generation, you know, the politics, the, the, the politics of like, you know, hating gays and, 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 and hating minorities and hating foreigners and all. So, you know, your generation has a chance, like, like you were saying, through the internet, because you can communicate to people throughout most of the world. I mean, sometimes in certain countries, I'm not sure if we can easily communicate with people in China and a few other countries, but for the most, you know, for the most part, we can communicate with people throughout the world, and 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 people do. And you're right. As as we do that, we realize, oh my God, you know, they're just the same as us, and they're much more like us than they are different, regardless of how different they are. Well, yeah, George. Here's the thing: we only compare the differences between things. The only time we compare things is because they're so similar that we have to point out the differences. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I often say that men and women are actually more alike than they are different. You know, so interesting. Yeah, I, I did a, did a bit of research on gender um, differences. You know, years ago, over ten years ago, I think. And what I what I discovered is apparently, throughout most of the areas, yeah, there's much more similarity than people believe. That that, that you know, the genders are much more like each other than. Then you know, but there's one actual. Well, there's one area where men are and women are very different, and that's that men are much, much more aggressive than women. You know, men are, are 11 times more likely, at least here in the United States, to be convicted of a crime than are women. And you know, just tying this in with with this the political election coming up, I mean, it might be a wonderful thing for Hillary to win. And I hope I hope she picks a woman running mate. I hope that there's two women running against Trump and whatever you know other kind of like you know hateful person he he, he picks for his running mate. And because like because my guess is like women historically, throughout the ages have been the nurturers. They've been responsible for nurturing kids, where we men have been responsible for like battling you know beasts and other <laughs> men and stuff. Right. I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, that's that's the way um, that's, you know, what wars have traditionally been men fighting. And it, it's yeah, it's usually like, for example, violence typically is seen as a male thing. That's the way the stories are written, all the fictional stories, the video game plots. It's always some, some man who has to be the big hero, slay the dragon, rescue the princess, all of that stuff. You know what I mean? So there's this idea that that's what's expected of men. 
which is, I believe is a lot of the conditioning that leads them to think they have to be that way. I agree. I agree. And so like, you know, and you know, the person, you know, the president, the leaders of our country, it's not just the president. For example, I think 80% of Congress is, is run by men. And that's probably, you know, 80% of the, of the governors and, and, you know, the, the mayors and stuff. It's like, you know, it's a run. Imagine, you know, I, I think probably the, the wisest way to, for, for families to run and for governments to run, for groups to run, especially if, if the groups are comprised of both men and women, is to have kind of like a 50-50 split in terms of the power. Because, yes, I, I think that, like, even though the, the differences aren't all that great between us, like, for example, we men, like, I don't know of many women who, who have taken the time to learn computers. So, I've, you know, some of my women friends, I help them out. You know, they appreciate that. Whereas, like, you know, sometimes I'm not so very conscious of my social life. Right. So women are always talking about like people and, and social stuff and all. And they help me in that way. So I think that this balance, you know, be it in personal relationships and families and in government is probably the wisest for for a healthy, balanced uh, world and society. Yeah, I agree there, George, because see, part of the problem is that people are spend too much time trying to figure out who's better, the men or the women, and this kind of competition, rather than working as a team, because they do have strengths and weaknesses. And so, yeah, there does need to be a balance there. And, and you know, this is very important, George, since we're, since we're talking about love in this episode. Let's, let's think about this. You know, men and women have these differences in the way they're taught to behave. And there, and there may be certain biological differences in the brains that make them t incline more towards certain subjects than others. And yet, at, at, you know, they have to live in a society and work together for it to function. So um, how, how would you uh, describe love from the perspective of having to work um, through differences, you know what I mean? How do people of different behavior and beliefs um, get along? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that ties in very, very well with our, our the theme of no free will. I mean, to the extent that people believe they have a free will, then that's going to be much, much harder because like the free will belief demands judgment and demands vengeance and revenge and punishment and indictment and all. Whereas like if we want to get better at understanding each other's differences and resolving them, then, you know, from the perspective that, that nobody has a free will, that makes it so much easier, you know, because that, that completely the, the blame that the free will belief invites would be, would be to a great extent eliminated. You know, and, and it's a huge distraction to people, you know, actually focusing on what matters in understanding these differences. Yeah, because uh, Chandra, you like uh, My Little Pony, and uh, that is uh, seen as very feminine, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why I like it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's an interesting thing because, um, like, there does seem to be a problem of certain things being seen as for men or for women, or, or another thing like, oh, that's for little kids, adults shouldn't like that. And like, like George was just saying, you know, to the extent that we realize nobody chooses what they are, what they like, what they don't like, and the way they are in general, 
we don't we won't blame people for liking a, a kids show what even if they're 93 you know what I mean so <laughs> but but another thing that I think is important guys is that you know even aside from that nobody chooses these things we need to look at the reasons. Well, why does somebody like this or that? And, like, you know, I know why I like My Little Pony, because it's all about love and friendship. It's right on theme, you know, with what we're doing here. It's about friendship. It's about friends getting along, even when they have differences. And that's, I think the world needs more of that. I think people need to go back and watch some My Little Pony and, and, and learn how to get along, you know, because there does seem to be a problem with, with a lack of love, a lack of true friendship in the world. We need more of that. Yeah, because yeah. Tara Strong, the uh, voice actor of uh, Twilight Sparkle, she said uh, she don't mind uh, bronies, does she? No. <laughs> well, I, I lead happiness groups. You know, I lead some here in White Plains and uh, one in Manhattan. And one thing I, I mention is like, well, people aren't as happy as they could be because you know we're we're made to go to school and they teach us you know how to read write you know fine these are good things and all math but you know as long as they have us there for 12 or, or years or longer they should be teaching us how to be happy and they should be teaching us what love is you know how to love how to get better at loving how to you know the different kinds of love because let me tell you life is a lot more about being with people and loving other people and loving yourself and all than it is about like understanding the geography of the world or understanding you know like you know chemistry and all that stuff you know some people need to to learn that you know to to become chemists or do what needs to be done but you know again look i think there's in our education system there's more than enough room to teach what we need to to learn you know for for our civilization to function but to also teach people how to love better, how to just understand what love is and, and, and know better how to practice it. Yeah, I think it needs to take a priority too because if we don't, have, if we don't love anyone, you know, um, no matter how much knowledge we have about, about science or, or geography, what, whatever, you know, that, that's not going to help us because we're all just, just going to hate each other and be fighting and just getting mad and killing everybody and ourselves. And so all of our knowledge about other subjects won't actually do us any good without love. Chandler, I mean, that's, you know, people, the political parties here in the United States, the, the, um, yeah, the, the rich, the rich, I think, are the most dangerous group on the planet because they love money. And they love power and they love these luxuries more than they love other people, more than they love their children, more than they love their, themselves. And the reason I'm saying this is because, like, the reason, you know, we've got this huge climate crisis that needs to be addressed. And the longer we wait, the, the worse it gets, the more expensive it, it um, gets to, to address. And these people, you know, because they, they focus their careers, their lives on learning how to make money and learning how to accumulate power and not learning how to love themselves or their children or you know other people you know they they've now they control the world you know through the politics that that's how it is here in the United States and that's how it is throughout most of the world so this is this is the consequence of people learning these other skills at the expense of learning love at the expense of learning what love is and how to practice it and how it applies to the rest of the world 
Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, George, because, you know, when, when somebody dies, nobody thinks, of, well, that person had a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, don't they think about what that person was like, how they interacted with that person? It, it seems to me that people are what the priority is. You know what I mean? It, it seems bizarre that, you know, I understand that in the society we, we're still under a money-based system, but I also understand that it's an illusion and that it's only a medium of exchange to get the resources that we actually need because the people matter. And, and, and all people, not just humans, but the other people too. <laughs> That's what matters. Are you yeah. suggesting that we uh, do away with money in the future? I would like to see that happen. Well, Man. it's great because my generation, if, you know, in my generation, when people propose that, the crazy Republicans and a lot of crazy Democrats, whatever, they would say, well, no, that's communism. That's, that's, that's you know, whereas like your generation, millennials, you know, you guys see the practical value of that. You know, in other words, why should like somebody have $10 billion when some people don't have enough? And why should have uh, somebody have $10 billion to then take control of, of, of politics for their interests, not even for the interest of everyone? You know, you guys understand that. Yeah, and I understand that the, the practical details of working at it all out, are, that there's still going to be much debate over that um, because it's about equality and making sure everyone has what they want. And I think it can go wrong because, you know, like if there's some communist party that just takes over and says who gets what, well, then they become the rich, uh, controlling elite that just makes life hell for everyone else. Yeah, right, and, so, and Chandler, like, would people... It's a saw situation. Uh, I'm sorry, Jamie, say, say that lost. again? Uh, a lot of millions of people got murdered um, under the communist regime, didn't they? Well, here's the problem. I mean, wh when you talk about socialism, you're talking about democratic socialism. and You're talking about having free elections and fair elections, whereas, yeah. like, when, you know... When people, when people like say, well, you know, they equate socialism to mean tyranny. In other words, like, yes, in, in, in China and Russia, there were no free elections. You know, there was a dictatorship. But that's, you know, socialism does not have to go that route. You know, the Scandinavian countries that are, I think, the most socialist in the world, they've made it work. They have fair elections, they have free elections, but they have a very socialist society where, where like, everybody's health care is taken care of. Anybody who wants to can go to college for free. I mean, yes, this this is like you know they. So again, like the people who don't don't want State fairness. The, the people who are like often rich and they're greedy and they're selfish and they're callous and they're stupid. You know, yeah. they they will claim, oh no, this is communism and the communism is tyranny. Completely missing the message that what what people are saying is not that you do away with democracy, that you, you do away with voting, but you, that you do away with this vast inequality that just makes life more difficult for everyone, including the rich. Yeah. See, I think I agree with the general principle of socialism, but as as long as it, it's not um, packed together with some form of tyranny, you know. 
And exactly. I think, yeah. And so as long as people understand the distinction, then they can work at making progress toward it, as I believe other countries, like you were mentioning, have already done a lot better at that than the U.S. has. Yeah, because yeah. Chandler, you're pointing to the problem. In other words, like with Russia and China, it was like the rich were replaced by the Communist Party. If you were part of the Communist Party in, in either of those countries, then you had all the power and the wealth. So that, that's not the answer. That's just exchanging one form of, of unfairness with another. Right. And the that's goal is to get rid of all unfairness. Yep. Jamie, what were you saying? I was saying it's another form of elitism, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird because... Yeah, it's the end of this um, elitism, the, the end of this idea that, that one person or a group of people is better than another. That's what I want to eliminate through, uh, through this world, you know, in this world. That's why we promote the message of no, no free will, and we're, and we're talking about love here. I mean, we got, we got to love others because we're all the same here. We're all equal, you know? Yeah, the best kind of system you can possibly have is democratic socialism. Yeah, and Chandler, I don't think of a, of a better message to get people to understand the rationale, the reason for equality, than that we don't have a free will. You know, that it's so unfair Like to, like, let's say, like, everybody's salary was, was drawn by a lottery. You know, if you, if you picked certain numbers, then you'd get a certain salary. If you picked pick certain other numbers, then you'd get much less of a salary. People, I think, would, would understand how unfair and wrong that system is, just like, you know, the lucky people get, you know. So, like, basically, in that same way, you know, well, we don't get to decide how intelligent and how industrious and how ambitious and all that we are. So the people who are lucky to have those qualities, no, I don't think they should be getting extraordinarily, you know, more benefits and more salaries and more of whatever than people who are less fortunate. Because like, again, like as what we explain on our show is that the people who are lucky, their luck, that luck is not up to them. And the people who are not lucky, that luck is not up to them either. So, you know, people shouldn't be rewarded or punished, you know, needlessly based on what's not up to them. You're completely right, George. Because... Yeah, go on, China. Yeah, yeah, because in a sort of a way, life really is like a game of Monopoly, you know, and people trying to take credit or blame for what properties they land on and what they can buy and all that happens. It is like a game of Monopoly. Some are lucky and some are unlucky, and there's always going to be some of that because it's not up to us and some people are more intelligent some people have certain disabilities and so there is no such thing as equal opportunity for everyone however what we can do is recognize that it's not a competition this is a cooperation and since it's not a competition we should all be working towards um, equal opportunity even though we know we'll never reach the ideal system and people need to stop comparing like uh, socialist ideals with fascism because um, fascism and socialism often get you know conflated, don't they, George? Yeah, and and you know, so here right now we're talking politics and we're talking like economic systems and systems of government, and like people might think, well, no, this isn't about love. This is completely about love. We started talking about what love is and what love is about and all. And our institutions, whether it's our economy, our governments, they reflect our values. 
you know, and not only do they reflect our values, they mold them. So like if we want a more loving world on the individual level where people get it, people understand that, or people being loving toward each other and toward themselves, then you can't have, you can't have that thrive within global institutions that are just callous, that just like, that they don't even, they don't, they, they measure money, but they, they, you know, the last thing on their mind is to measure how, how much people love each other. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's the fact that there's no love that is really what's ruining the politics in the first place. Yeah. I mean, people, there's some people on Twitter like, who claim that um, the best system is uh, capitalism, but the problem with capitalism is that it only benefits the extraordinarily talented and people with power, doesn't it, George? Yeah, and so the thing with cal see, capitalism can be a good motivator of things getting done, but the problem with, with most capitalism, it's not regulated enough. In other exactly. words, like back, you know, several decades ago, it didn't pay to work so hard to become very rich because a lot of times these rich people, they sacrifice their, their families. You know, their, their kids don't see them, their wives don't see them. You know, so like, you know, back decades ago, the taxes on the rich were so high that, that people said to them, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to like sacrifice my life and my family to become rich because it's not going to be worth it. So, yes, it was a regulated capitalism that that also provided, you know, for 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 the needs of people and just like had a discouragement. It discouraged the kind of ambition that wasn't even in the best interest of, of the rich people who would pursue it. Because again, a lot of rich people, you know, I know from my happiness work that for example, 37% of the people that are on the list of Forbes wealthiest Americans are actually less happy than the average American. The average American is only 70% happy. So that'll tell you how little, you know, a lot of money gets you, but, but people don't know this. Yeah, it's it's interesting that money can't buy happiness. What we need is some sort of system that rewards, you know, or incentivizes work ethic for people who want to better themselves, but still offers a safety net for people who can't work or, you know, or are too, who are too young or too old to work, you know, you know, like kids or the elderly people. You need a yeah. state pension to keep them you know, alive. Right, Jamie, and then getting back to the free will thing, like in the current system, when people believe in free will, when somebody is not ambitious or not motivated or whatever, we just say, oh, they're just like, they're, that's, they're, they're that way of their free will, and they leave it at that. You know, they might punish them, whatever, but to the extent we understand that nobody's at free will, instead of just like leaving it at that, we would say, well, wait a minute, why is this one person, you know, so ambitious and the other person not? And the more we understand this, the more we can kind of like engineer our school systems, our society to motivate more people to be more ambitious, you know, because we can do that. We just, you know, what prevents us from doing this to a great extent is this belief in free will, this belief and that now people are going to be the way they want. Yeah. And this Republican belief that, you know, the homeless people are there because they're just lazy bums and all that stuff. Well, regardless of whether they work or not, Having a house and food or whatever is a human right, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very strange thing because somebody could really go down that route and have a conversation with someone with that mindset. And here's kind of how it would go. Well, the, these uh, moochers just choose to be lazy. And, and well, why, why do they choose to be lazy? Uh, because they're lazy. <laughs> well, why are they lazy? 
Uh, because they felt like it. Well, <laughs> feel like it. You know, at some point, they, they've got to realize that's the way the person is. Um, and we can lose this all the time, Chana. Sometimes it just comes down to mental illness because sometimes right. people are addicted to things, you know? Yeah. But, but Chandler, the importance of what we're doing is like, you know, when you're asking those questions, when people are asking those questions, they don't get to the levels you just described because they, they stop at, why is somebody like that? Well, it's their free will. You know, why is somebody lazy? Oh, they just don't want to be, you know, not lazy. It's their, of their free will. And again, and that's why, that's why this podcast, you know, our, our free will podcast is so important. That's why our mission is so important. You know, we're, we'll create this not-for-profit to expand the mission. To the extent that we overcome this, this, this mistaken notion, belief in free will, we'll begin to explore, you know, we, you know that, that, road of, that road of reasoning that you were just taking us on, eventually you're right. I think what your point was, like, if people continue on that road, they will get to the, the correct answers. Yeah, and it's interesting because you're, you're totally right there, George. And even though this, we started as an impersonal opinion podcast, you know, we are talking a lot about the free will topic because that's so essential to love, you know. And it's, it's just so important for people to understand um, that you love people, I think, the more you understand them. And you're not going to learn to understand them if you just uh, attribute everything to free will and don't look to understand the causes of why they are the way they are. Yeah, because if you believe in free will and blame people for being poor or whatever, then you're not going to support, like, um, actually, I say, basic income for all people, George. That's a great point. I mean, think about why, why it's so easy for us to love, let's say, babies, infants, and toddlers. I think one reason is because we don't attribute a free will to them. You know, they don't know any better. They do wrong. They do whatever they do. And we say, oh, they, they don't know any better. And so it's so much easier to love them. So imagine a world where we all understood that nobody has a free will and we treat each other and ourselves with as much love and understanding, you know, correctly. Because, again, like we don't have any, any more free will than does a baby or, or an infant. And, you know, we're all at, at the mercy of this fate that sometimes is kind and sometimes is not. And the more we understand this, the more we're going to be compassionate toward each other. Because I think love, a great part of love is, is about compassion. So basically, we just um, treat everyone the same way we would a baby. We don't blame them, and we just love them. Absolutely. It's a good analogy, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. We all start out innocent. I mean, we're all born as, as babies, right? When we're, we're like one years old or, you know, out the mother's womb. We start off really innocent, and we're influenced by, you know, environments and upbringing and stuff like that. So we don't start out as serial killers or whatever. Exactly, Jamie. And see, this is so important because the reason that I have such great hope in life is, you know, and of course, maybe this is wishful thinking too, but here's how I look at it, guys. Each new person um, starts out fresh. It's, it's only when they become corrupted with, you know, racism, speciesism, sexism, capitalism, nationalism, and, and weird religious bigotry and stuff like that that they end up becoming messed up. But they all start out the same way. They just all start out as this one life form that they, they just experience. They're just learning about the world, and it's just so sad what's done to them. I realize that... The way we turned out, because some some of us turn out really messed up, and we've got issues, but we can't blame ourselves. It's not our fault. 
Right? And Chandler, there's even more reason for optimism. In science, there's this saying that science um, progresses one funeral at a time. And what they mean is like, let's say there's a scientific discovery, right? The older scientists in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, they reject it because they're like locked into the past, right? But that new scientific belief is appreciated and understood as those older people die and are replaced by younger people. So in other words, like my generation, the generation that became, came before me, we are filled with a lot of hate that fortunately your generation and the generations that are gonna follow you are not gonna be filled with. And the more, you know, now because of the internet, because you have access to so much more knowledge, so much more information, I would imagine this, this process accelerating you know, that, that, you know, you're right. I think you're very right to be optimistic because, like, you know, we are moving in a direction of, of, of more compassion, more understanding, more, more evolved, you know, like, like there's, there's, you know, whether Jesus existed or not or whether, you know, Buddha existed, whatever. The point is there are some, some people in the world that are very evolved. And now with the knowledge that they were evolved about being shared so freely, so completely through the internet, you could have a whole generation of people kind of like being like avatars, like very evolved individuals. And I think that's where we're going. Yeah. See, John, hey, uh, invite WST, please. What? Invite WST because he's on. Um, I don't see him in my contacts list. Oh, well, you might have to add him again. Jamie, can you do that or? I can't because uh, I'm not hosting this anymore. I'm going to see if I can. Hold on. Oh, I, I see him now. Yeah, because I looked earlier. Um, yeah, I see. I see Green Dot. Cool. Yeah, I'll try adding him. Yeah. George, what we need to tell uh, the younger generation is that science is an ongoing process, and just because we don't have a free will does not mean we can't, you know, accept, you know, new discoveries or, you know, new science, new belief systems, whatever. You know? Yeah, and what I was about to say um, is that part of the reason I'm optimistic is because we can change. You know, we can evolve over time. That's part of evolution. Yeah, yeah that's why it gives me so much hope. Um, hey, uh, WSD, are you there? Hi, everybody. Hey, how are you? Hi, WSD. We've been talking about love and some other things like politics and how we're evolving as a society as the old people die and the new people come. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a little off subject, but I like what you do with the map on Minecraft. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> George is clueless right now. Yeah, I don't know. That's all right. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on love, WSD? Well, love is defined on something. If you want to, um, if you care for something, you. It's like it's kind of hard for me to explain. It's just a uh, love is something. If I love something. It just always to me is if I love something, I just been known to take care of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. WSD, how how do we go about creating a world where there's more love, where people love each other more? Well, I always believed in this, but I um I always believed that if I always been the type that believes that treat others if you want to be treated yourself. Yeah, golden rule. Yes. That's good. Yeah, that's very good. Um, yeah, don't do it to others what you don't do, want done to you, yeah. Yeah, in a world where everyone did that, it would be paradise. 
Yeah, in other words, like, yeah, if, if that was like, if, if let's say in our school systems, in every grade, they devoted 10 minutes a day to just dis discussing what that means, you know, I guarantee within a year or two, this world would be filled with so much more love. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's yep. interesting. And more importantly, I wouldn't have got fired off with some nonsense. Yeah, I hear you. How's it going? With, how, are, are you uh, having luck finding a new um, job or? Eh, I'm still, I'm just networking. I'm still networking. All but... right, okay, yeah. It'll take time sometimes. I hear you. Yeah. I tried to get my old job back, but that day I tried to um, call them. I tried to call them, and they, um, they, um, it wasn't the fact that they didn't answer. They picked up the phone, but they hung right back up. Yeah, yeah. Which I was extremely it. rude. Hmm. Well, again, here's the thing, WSD. Um, I mean, like, these things happen to us, right? And, like, we can't blame ourselves. We can't blame them because none of us have free will. And then the question becomes, so why should things like this happen, you know? And that's the question. I don't have an answer to that, but I think sometimes when we try And about to... the thing, it's still hard for me to accept that for now. Yeah, but... exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's still tough when these bad things happen to us. And... I think, um, I mean, it would be nice if there was an easy answer to these situations, and a lot of times there isn't. But I think the important thing to remember is that we, we as we look for solutions to whatever the problem may be, we won't be distracted by the feeling of wanting to seek revenge on someone as much when we are not blaming people. And when we're not blaming ourselves, we won't get all depressed, feel like a failure, and turn into an alcoholic or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's like I said on your Facebook uh, in a comment channel. I mean, you know a lion's dangerous, so you know to avoid it. Or if you think you'll encounter one, carry, carry, make sure to carry a weapon. Or do, yeah. take methods to avoid it if you can. Yeah, use a vehicle and close your window and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, we still try to avoid bad situations when we can. Yeah, um, I mean, you don't blame the lion for wanting to eat the person, but you still do the smart thing. You either carry a weapon if you're in a wilderness, or just don't go in a wilderness point blank. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it is it is an interesting thing, though, because, like, in, since this fits in with our, our, our topic about, about love and people getting along, here's yeah. an interesting question that I want to ask you guys. Like, the idea of, you know, when people divorce, for example, like, often there are times when a marriage, a relationship, a family situation doesn't work out. And so people have to divorce. They have to separate because it's it's whatever's going on might not be good for the children and it may not be good for the people involved, but it can be done without the blame. You know, it can be done without this, this, all this drama of, oh, it's their fault and they must be punished and, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah, it's like scientists uh, are trying to do. They're trying to reform sociology um, and they call the current state of um, humanity, you know, where we're warring and indoctrinating people with shitty religions uh they they call it the human condition don't they george yeah. yeah and so yeah like like for example with divorce you know what happens is like 
people who loved each other, people who loved each other enough to marry each other and want to spend the rest of their lives together, all of a sudden they start disagreeing about things. And again, so much of this ties in with this free will belief. Because they're blaming themselves, they stop loving each other. They, they don't realize that, wait a minute, they can disagree on, on everything. And maybe, maybe they shouldn't be together, who knows? But at least it could be so much more civil, so much, you know, filled with love and concern for each other. Hmm. Yeah, and so it, it's very interesting because I, I think it, it's wise for people to realize that loving someone doesn't mean that you will always have an easy time relating to that person. There yeah. will be difficulties. Yeah, it's like Sam Harris uh, said. I mean, you don't you don't blame the crocodile, but you know to avoid it because for obvious reasons. Yeah, he's going to do his um instinct prompted to do. Yeah. WSD, what, what do we do about creating, how do we go about creating a more loving economic system, government system? What do you think is wrong with our current system and how, we can make, how can we make it guided more by love than by greed and power and all that? WSD? Yes. Oh, let me ask again. I, I was I was asking you a question. How could like Jamie and, and Chandler were talking about this before, but I just wanted you to to weigh in on this. You know, how could we make our our economic system, our government system, guided more by love than by greed and selfishness and power? Well, it goes back to what I said earlier, but it's just see, as to be. Kind of hard, cause I would um. Well, the first thing I would do is like, <coughs> cause uh, that's why I believe in the Phoenix Project. That's one. Of the, yeah, I believe in the Phoenix Project due to the fact that that system seems like it would help in the right direction. Actually, let's Hello? let's talk a bit, let's talk a bit about the Venus Project. We were thinking about talking about it before. We didn't. We thought we may not know enough about it, but maybe the four of us together might be able to explain it. So, WSD, start us off. What is the Venus Project about? What what are its goals? It's a it's basically a resource economy. That um, see, it's how can I explain this? Never been good at explanations. That's the thing. That's the, always been my Achilles heel when it comes to that. But maybe I can explain <coughs> it. Um, you know, Excuse you me. Use a resource-based economy, and you use machines to create an abundance of resources for everyone, so that without scarcity, there'll be no more, um, you know, jealousy, no more like greed, because everyone will have what they want. And what they need, you know, access to, you know, the necessities of life, whether it be food, clothing, shelter, whatever. All these things will be constructed by uh, machines that were initially created by, you know, a group of scientists. Um, but there will be no tr uh, quote unquote trade system anymore because that, that type of system would be surpassed. 
That's what it said in the documentary, anyway. Um, they have a complete manifesto on it, don't they, obviously? Yep. Chandler, how would you describe the Venus Project? Yeah, well, the way I look at it is, like Jamie said, they would have enough of everything. Things would be produced by m mostly machines, but I imagine some humans would still have to do some work. But the main thing is everyone should have what they need, basically. They're, they should exactly. all have housing. They should all have their food and water, you know. They got to have that, and there's no, absolutely no reason that people shouldn't all have that, you know. And it should be yeah. – they shouldn't have to – you know, it, it's, it shouldn't be like where they have to work 40-hour jobs and still not make enough money to be able to afford the things they need. Those things, they should just have them, you know what I mean? And everyone shares, nobody hoarding. The concept of even ownership really would be ve very vague or non-existent in such a society if it's existed. Yeah. You might own some things, but there'll be very limited amount of things you can own. In, in a society like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, you know, I don't think we have to wait until, like, machines are doing all the work for us. Like, as Chandler was saying, I mean, for example, like, in, in this country, you know, we have an un unemployment rate that's the official rate, but it's, an a it, it's not actually very accurate because, like, in these numbers, they don't include people who, like, who stopped working and are not looking for jobs anymore, right? So I'm guessing maybe about 20% of our population here in the United States is, is, is unemployed, and so, like, that's not good for anyone, right? So, like, I think most people here in the United States and throughout a lot of the rest of the world are working way too hard, way too many weeks, way too many hours. So, like, for example, yeah. if we split the, the work up equally, if, if some people weren't so greedy that they just want so much money and power that it could care less that people are without jobs, then if, if we split the, money, the, 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 the jobs equally, then... then Everybody could, let's say, work six-hour days instead of eight-hour days. And maybe people, instead of having just one or two weeks vacation a year, they could do like the Scandinavian countries do. They have four or five weeks of vacation or even more, a couple of months like, like school kids do. I mean, this is, we're capable of this, but this, this greed and this selfishness by, by especially the people at the top prevent us from doing this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the interesting part. Um, yeah, I was going to say, under the Venus Project, if there's going to be any work at all, which I imagine there would be still, because they said that without any challenges, uh, the whole thing will crash, it wouldn't work. So people need to be challenged in order to improve, you know, the scientific method and other things. But any employed person, I, I couldn't imagine them working more than 30 hours a week in this kind of society, because they yeah. wouldn't want to stress people to the point where they have ill health, you know? Exactly, and when people get sick, then that costs society huge sums in health care costs and lost productivity, yeah. And here's an interesting idea, mm -hmm. guys. Now, this can be done. This doesn't even require machines, but it would just require training programs to have, you know, all the land that's not being used for something, you know? It could be turned into farmland, and then people could all work um, uh, farming and gardening and growing tons of vegetables and whatever. And then here's the deal. They all get to take uh, home at the end of the day whatever that they are going to eat. And so if everybody is getting food that they need to eat from, from their work, they don't need to be concerned about who's getting more 
or or less whatever. It's like they all they all work, they all eat, they ought they ought to be satisfied. You know what I mean? That sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. But under the Venus Project, um, a lot of farming. Whether it, I don't know if if all of it's going to be done by automation. Probably not, because you need engineers to make these machines to begin with. You know what I mean, George? But some of the farming will be automated, so there won't be as much work to do as some people might think. But there will still be employment. There has to be because you need you need scientists, you need engineers to make the rockets to go into outer space and stuff. You know? Yeah. And what's great about that, guys, is to see there's only a few people who really have the intelligence to be engineers, to be programmers, to build to build robots to do those kinds of specialized things. I so, wish I was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> don't we all? I mean, Maybe but some people, are, some people are musicians. They're they're artists. You know, there are other things. That, but so the idea is. If we let the people who have the talent be the ones to get to do the that thing, then that's the, then that's great. And and those we it, we should make sure it's those people who enjoy that kind of thing. People who like making machines to achieve some task. I mean, there there are nerds out there like that, you know. And so there's no reason why people can't be uh, allowed to do and develop what they have always wanted to do. Yeah, another component in this is like we've been talking about love, but I think happiness plays a huge role in this because like our society is based on people trying to sell us stuff that they're trying to convince us we need, you know, to become happy or happier, right? But the thing is, as we become happier, we're satisfied. We don't need like as much in, in material goods and stuff because we're happy. In other words, like some of the happiest countries in the world are some of the poorest countries in the world. You know, so like to the extent that like, you know, we're taught how to be happy, not just how to love each other, but how to really be happy. And this is something to be taught in schools. Then all of a sudden, yeah, we, we realize, wait a minute, I don't need to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week to afford things, you know, these luxuries, you know, time, you know, there, there's an expression, time is money. And, and uh, so like, you know, we could we could actually live much richer lives just having more time to enjoy ourselves, time to enjoy each other, you know. And again, this this could come by by kind of quelling this need that businesses create in us to want their products. If if we're you know satisfied with just like you know the basics and stuff, then all of a sudden everybody has to work less. Yeah, I mean it's interesting um, because yeah, like you said, George, you know. People advertise and try to convince people that they need things, and those people only start feeling like they need those things after those people have have worked hard to convince them. Whereas, aside from that influence, they wouldn't necessarily feel like they need those things. And this, it just shows how need is a manufactured thing. Often, absolutely, yeah, because materialism is uh, one of the uh, symptoms of uh, a capitalistic society where you know these companies make like various products some some of these products like you know you don't even need really to survive but they just they sell it because they know people will buy it you know? yep yeah it reminds me of a weird Al song about all the stuff you bought on eBay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, guys, we've talked about a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, it's important stuff. I mean, it's you know, this is what our politicians should be talking about. You know, um, for uh, you know, they they talk about important things also, but sometimes they yeah. just talk about stuff that's nonsense. You know. Yeah, that's why. Exactly why I say vote for Bernie Sanders. Oh yeah, oh yeah, y'all already voted up there in New York, did y'all? In New York, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is. Oh like, no, Sanders, yeah, because the ballot didn't happen in Pennsylvania yet. Here's what I like with Sanders. I mean, like I was for him for a while, but then, you know, according to the numbers, it doesn't seem like there's any way he can win, you know. So the thing is, like, but the good thing is that I hope he stays in the race all the way up to the convention because he's drawing when he talks. You know, there's tens of thousands of people in the audience and he's but he's what he's talking about is getting money out of politics. Because, like, you know, anything, anything we've been talking about now that's good, mm-hmm. that's worthy, love and all. The thing that's making that's stopping it from happening is that rich people who control our politics are stopping it from happening, and they they stop it through through donations to candidates, and they stop it through lobbying, through 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 giving these 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 um, elected officials vast sums of money to do not what's in the best interest of the people, but to do what's in their best interest. So again, Sanders. To the extent that Sanders, um, you know, keeps on talking about this and people really understand this, then hopefully over the next year or two or three, we can get money out of politics and then then watch what happens. Then how much watch, see how much we can do when when the rich people aren't controlling everything. Yeah, I mean, the rich have too much power over our politics. This is one of the reasons why the oil companies um continue to pollute our environment. Yeah, yep. you guys, I mean, you're, you're in an exciting time. Um, one reason there's been so much money yeah. in politics is because, Juicy, like... I'm definitely voting Sanders. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> it, it's, it's, not, it's not even about the presidential thing. It's about the Supreme Court. For the last 45 years, the Republicans and conservatives were pretty much the army of the rich have had power. They've had a five to four, you know, majority in the Supreme Court. <clears throat> now that Scalia died, you know, the next Supreme Court justice is going to be on the side of liberals, on the side of Democrats, on the side of getting money out of politics. So that's what's going to happen over the next few years. Citizens United is going to be challenged. You know, all these other, you know, these other Republican-led kind of like missions to deny people power to just give more and more power to the rich they're going to be reversed and what again when that happens watch what happens watch watch what when when the rich are not in control of, of governments or this government you know that allows the democracy to work the way it was intended to work are you fucked yeah what's wrong wsd ah uh, son i'm sorry go ahead Sorry, son, I just looked yeah, at so, Sorry. But, you know, you guys are living in a very exciting time. You know, um, two things that are happening. One, actually three things. You know, we're going into probably like, you know, the Democrats will probably win the presidency this year, and they'll probably win again in four years. And, like, because of the demographics, because, like, millennials are becoming more and more part of the, the voting population, the old people who tend to vote Republican are all dying out. 
So that's happening. And then you'll hopefully we'll have our first women woman president. And at WSD, you weren't with us before. We were talking about how women are so... Yeah, so, I was going to say she's the first female... For, what? No, yeah. no, well, but the thing is, like, what, what she can do is men are so much more aggressive than women. So if, if she, you know, you know, wins, then hopefully that'll motivate a lot more women to get involved in politics, to run. And with more women in yeah, politics, just, you're going to have a peaceful world, a more peaceful world. Yeah, it's just I don't agree with some of her policies. That's the only thing. No, I know. I know, WC. I think what happens, like, see, because she's a woman, I think she's had to, like, be way toward, toward the middle. Because I agree with you. She could be more liberal, but I think she's had to do that in order to get elected. So now, hopefully, with Sanders in the race, she's moved much more to the left than she would have. And so, again, uh, and the other thing is I hope that she's been very moderate, not, not liberal enough. In order to get elect, elected, I hope she has a, a, a wonderful surprise for us that, that hopefully she'll, she'll get things done. Yeah, but she's bought by too many politicians. That's my only thing with her. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but again, the, the main the main change isn't really in the presidency because, like, because because the the Republicans are going to still have too much power in the Senate. They can filibuster anything that they don't like. Then it doesn't really matter who the president is or who the, is in the Senate or in the Congress. What matters is like who's in the Supreme Court. And again, once now that we're going to have five liberal members in the Supreme Court, we can get money out of politics, and then then people will be voting not for the person who's like, who's, who's um, gotten the most contributions from rich people, but for the person who, who, who best represents the will of the people, the, you know, the, the, the welfare of the people. Guys, I think we've, we've digressed a lot from love, but Chandler, I think we've been going for a while. You think it's time to end this? Or? Yeah, I guess so. Um, and, it, you know, it's an impersonal opinion, so we just kind of jumped around, but that's okay. This is how, how we talk, you know, when we're just relaxing. <laughs> yep. Okay, um, you've been listening to the Impersonal po- the Impersonal Opinion Podcast with Chandler Klebs, George Ortega, Jamie Soden, and WSD Time. And we talked about love, we talked about free will a bit, we talked about some politics and economics and the Venus Project. And man, we talked about so, so many incredible things. But yeah, we're living in ex- an exciting time and things are changing and... The more we talk, the more we ask questions about why things are the way they are, um, the better we'll understand each other, and I think that will help us love each other better. And that's what the world needs now is love. So (laughs) that's all I have to say about that for now. Um, Thank you for listening, and goodbye.